0: Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 965 KPEL. Glad to be with y'all today on this uh, kind of somber anniversary in the world of radio. Uh, we've got something up at capehill965.com about it already, but today is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Rush Limbaugh. This is a, uh, a day to remember. Nobody in the talk radio business on the news talk side would be doing what they were doing were it not for Rush Limbaugh. Nobody would be trying to be successful in conservative media were it not for Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh started his show decades ago and was a powerhouse in talk radio. Invented the modern talk format as we know it. And were it not for him, uh, the prevalence of conservative talk and, and conservative media really planting a firm foot on terrestrial radio, it, it just wouldn't have happened. Uh, I, I was born and raised in Natchitoches. KNOC 1450 AM was one of the early adopters of Limbaugh's program, and for like a week, uh, possibly longer, Limbaugh would talk about KNOC, mention Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's a town nobody in the rest of America that was listening to his show uh, when he was still picking up, nobody knew what Natchitoches was. Uh, it, it was a funny sounding word that, that looks nothing when you see it on paper like it sounds. N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S. It looks nothing like it, in no way looks like it should sound like Natchitoches. But he talked about Natchitoches for for years. I, I mean, not years, for, for like a week. And for years, Limbaugh was constantly adding markets and he became a nationwide sensation. One of my best friends in the political world is a guy named Eric Erickson. He is the guy who picked me up as a front page writer at redstate.com. And even after he left Red State to do his own thing, Eric and I have stayed in touch and, and We talk a lot about the radio business. He launched a radio show. I actually first kind of discovered him listening to him fill in for Neil Bortz, who was a a nationwide kind of libertarian host. Conservative tendencies, but a libertarian host. Uh, And Erickson would fill in for Bortz from time to time. Erickson had an afternoon show at WSB in Atlanta at the time. Erickson wouldn't have gotten on the radio if it were not for the direct encouragement of Limbaugh to Erickson. And he has a piece at his Substack, uh, .substack ewerickson.substack.com, and he kind of talks about it today uh, in a piece called I Still Miss Him. And he kind of goes over uh, Limbaugh's personal influence on him. And, And Erickson, in turn, has influenced a lot of people in the conservative world, me included. And Eric was one of the ones when the possibility of me getting a show here on KPEL came up and I I talked to him about it. He was very encouraging and and he gave me a lot of helpful advice. A lot of that advice I use in the day to day conversations I have with you guys. And, And one of the things that Limbaugh taught him that he reinforced to me when I was talking to him was radio is about a conversation. It's between, it's a conversation between me and you. Talk radio is a deeply personal thing, something you can't recreate on television and something you can't recreate in digital writing. Talk radio is unique in that we only have each other's voices. You hear me, you call in, and I hear you. And it's that interaction between us that makes what this show is, what talk radio in essence is, deeply personal. And it's not something you can recreate elsewhere. And there are a lot of radio hosts out there who tried to be a cheap impersonation of Rush Limbaugh without understanding what Rush Limbaugh was as a radio host. A lot of them just, they never really listened to his show. All they know was the media portrayal that Limbaugh was a provocateur, and that he was controversial. And so a lot of radio hosts go out there thinking, I'm going to be the next Rush Limbaugh. I'm going to say controversial stuff. I'm going to be provocative. I'm going to be this hardline conservative. And they don't really understand that it was the personal nature of Rush Limbaugh with his audience that made his show so successful. And so you have a, a lot of folks that come and go in the radio world who are trying to be that type of, that, that, that caricature of Limbaugh without understanding who Limbaugh was or what he was in the radio world. And it really is something to see how radio is currently changing. There are some pretty big changes in conservative talk radio because of that. You know, this, the, the time slot, 11 to our time, noon to three uh, Eastern time, which is how most people refer to his spot, the noon to three spot. That spot was dumb. Nobody tried to touch that spot. Uh, the one challenge that I really knew of in the modern era was Mike Huckabee, and it was right after the Sandra Fluke thing. And uh, you know there were people were advertisers were being chased away from Limbaugh's show. There were boycotts. there were mass you know massive media uh, coverage of the people who who sponsored his show. And some sponsors left, and Limbaugh would laugh because he had a bunch of people waiting in the wings who wanted to be sponsors, and there just weren't enough spots on his clock to put in a new uh, sponsor on that time clock, but as sponsors left because of the Sandra Flute thing more jumped on. Well, at that time, Mike Huckabee launched a show as a more moderate, sensible voice, is what he would say. And it would be all the conservatism with none of the controversy And that's how it was built. It was this very soft, mellow talk, talking about issues. And he shuttered the show not long after. Uh, He didn't really get much traction as a radio host. But he really needed the show as as his platform for trying to run for president in 2012. Which he wasn't successful at that either. Limbaugh just dominated it. But now look what's out there in that time slot. You have my friend Eric Erickson. You have Dan Bongino on this network. You have uh, Buck Sexton and Clay Travis who uh, together are filling uh, Limbaugh's spot on premiere. You have Dana Lash. You have Todd Starnes. You have a lot of, of talking folks out there who are trying to fill this spot. And... A lot of people really and truly go into it thinking they're going to be the next Rush Limbaugh. And the only thing I can say is that anybody who thinks that will never come close because you can't be Rush Limbaugh. You cannot do what he did. You cannot be what he was in the talk radio world. 232-1542, if you want to take part in the conversation, we will go ahead and take a break. When we come back, one of the things that made Limbaugh so successful, and one of the things that's just unacceptable in modern society today, we'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk, 965 KPL. So, Rush Limbaugh passed away a year ago today. And one of the things that made Limbaugh successful is the fact that he was pretty much untouchable. The, the, The left tried on numerous occasions and they just could not take him off the air. I mentioned the Sandra Fluke thing. That was probably one of the biggest uh, organized efforts to get his sponsors to flee his show. And some did, but there were so many people, so many companies that, that recognized the value of a commercial in Rush Limbaugh's show that they were able to fill in the gaps pretty easily. The left, is unsuccessful at radio. The closest they can come is subsidized radio through NPR. I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating specifically on this day. The left has tried time and again, and they have never been successful at talk radio. There is no audience for talk radio. One of the things that Limbaugh did that made him and made his show so successful is he had a sense of humor. To put progressives on the radio and have them talk to you for three hours, there has to be a lot of lecturing and a lot of making you feel bad. The entire premise of the modern progressive movement is that you as an individual are flawed in some way and that the entire country is flawed and it's all your fault. You are not doing the right thing. And conservative talk, when it's really successful, tells you, you are, as an individual, unique. You may think differently, and you have to wrestle with those uh, you have to wrestle with those differences, but you as the individual, what makes America great is that all these individuals come together and let their voices be heard. And yes, America has stumbled, and yes, people have stumbled, but we always rise back up. That was the message of Limbaugh's program. People forget that. But Limbaugh's program spent a lot of time focused on the people that make up America, and that's why he and he spoke to so many of them. He talked directly to millions of them, and had thousands over the years calling into his show and having conversations with them. The left can't do that on the radio. They've tried. Uh, I think the the ones who came the closest were uh, the the blue collar progressives, uh, like you would see, uh, Ed Schultz, Ed Schultz, uh, back, uh, when he had a radio show, he was probably one of the few who was able to make it a while. But for the most part, progressivism, I mean, if you look at MSNBC or you look at CNN and you hear those opinionated anchors talking, their entire premise is that, that people are inherently wrong and that the only people who are right are the ones who are fighting against systemic this, that, or the other. And that's a very small handful of people. And they are directly talking to a large portion of America because a large portion of America does not believe in those things that the progressive left holds near and dear to their hearts. Limbaugh, was largely untouched by the media in his later years, simply because they they had given up. They knew that there was no way that the left could make any sort of inroads into talk radio. They had basically given up the medium. But what is the left doing now? What is the media doing now? They're going after Fox News regularly because Fox News competes and wins in their preferred medium. Fox News rules 24-hour news networks because, like Limbaugh, they speak directly to people. They give you the news that you want, and they talk on issues that actually matter to a lot of Americans, whereas CNN and MSNBC largely still preach. They go after news outlets that print things that are heterodox to what the left is currently pushing. If you say anything about transgenderism that isn't a a straight-up acceptance of anything and everything transgender, they will come after you, because that is heterodox to their way of thinking. If you say anything about the sanctity of life and how abortion is wrong, they will come after you. The social media networks are routinely working hand-in-hand with leftist groups to ban anybody who believes these things. You see it in a lot of high-profile suspensions. Here recently, one suspension, there's a Twitter account called Defiant Ls, and Ls being losses, and it is simply an account that finds progressives and it takes something that they have tweeted recently, their outrage about something, and then shows them tweeting something the exact opposite months or years back. Or it shows them doubling down on dumb takes. And it got suspended. Twitter did reinstate it later, but Twitter had promised more transparency in its suspension process and suspended this account, a large account with a large following, for no given reason. If you try to compete with the left on cable news, they're going to come after you. If you try to compete with them on digital or print, they're going to come after you. On social media, they're going to come after you. The big thing right now is Joe Rogan and Spotify and podcasts. Joe Rogan is far more successful in the podcast world than CNN or any of these others that have any of these outlets that have anchors and they're trying to start up podcasts with these anchors. They're trying to get some traction in this portion of the digital space and they cannot draw the kind of audience that you get from Joe Rogan, from a lot of just the insanely popular podcasts out there. And so they go after Joe Rogan because his reach and his influence is greater than theirs. They want to make it about the COVID misinformation or the racial epithet. If you look at the stuff where they they accuse him of using the N-word, you go back and you listen to the full context of what he was saying. He was speaking directly against racism. The context is necessary, but they didn't want to give the context. They just wanted to try to trash him and get him chased off Spotify, so that they themselves could be more successful in spreading the information that they want. The left does not like sharing its space, and more and more it has to. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Limbaugh made it so easy for people to go out and share their voices. They were brave enough to. And without Limbaugh, conservative media, and not just radio, but conservative media, as we know it, would not exist on the level that it does right now. A year ago today, Limbaugh passed. And he started, among other things, the movement of heterodoxy against leftist ideologies that prevails today and gives us the freedom, gives us more freedom to hear different ideas. 232-1542, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. When we come back, did you guys know that Ilhan Omar was actually right about something? A member of the squad is right about something. We will have all that and more. Also, some updates on the Ronald Green case and what the legislative committee that's looking at that uh, is looking at right now. Some interesting stuff happening there. We will have all that and more. 232-1542, if you want to talk about it, here on KPL 965. Uh, News Talk, KPL 965. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 965 Kpel if you want to join in the conversation 232-1542. Did y'all know that even a member of the squad can be right every once in a while? This is from Ilhan Omar, member of the squad. I fail to see why any journalist felt the need to report on a shop owner making such an insignificant donation rather than to get uh, rather than to get them harassed. It's unconscionable and journalists need to do better. This is in reference to the uh, people who were donating money to the trucker convoy protest in Canada. Uh, A hacker went in and got uh, the personal financial information of all those who were donating to the uh, convoy protest, the trucker protest in Canada, and several Journalism outlets, the CBC, Reuters, uh, the uh, several others, have been calling up and reporting on the people who have donated to this. These are small dollar donors, and they are going out and reporting on this. As if it's perfectly fine to expose small-dollar donors, people who are donating to a cause they believe in, and essentially get them harassed, and that's what's happening. And a lot of journalists are taking exception to Omar's tweet and the tweet of other, the tweets of others and the statements of others who are against this sort of thing. The the reporter that. Omar was quoting on Twitter actually had to lock down her account because she was receiving so much pushback. Um, this is a pretty disgusting trait by the media. This is the media using its power to intimidate people. It's nothing short of that. They may say that's not their intent, but when you go out and you're exposing people for making small donations to a protest, That the media itself has condemned in its reporting and tried to to label as extremist and right-wing and all this and that in its reporting. That's intimidation when the media then comes to find you and say, hey, you donated to this. Why did you do that? Several journalists um, are out there proclaiming that Omar got it wrong. And that it was vital that reporters be able to use the tools at their disposal, uh, including using illegally obtained information about private citizens in the name of public interest. Keep in mind that in the lead up to the 2020 election, somebody got a hold of Hunter Biden's laptop. It was turned into a computer repair shop and that the news got out that way. And the New York Post, which initially reported on it. Got banned from Twitter. Got suspended from Twitter over its story. It's, it's anybody who shared that story, they, they were unable to share the tweet. The Twitter blacklisted that story and blacklisted the New York Post because of it. And later reporting would verify that the New York Post was right in what it was reporting. But the the left came up with some arbitrary rule of unverified reporting using uh, the and 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 private information. And all this sort of stuff to justify why that story did not need to be out there. But turn around and the hacked private information of private citizens, not even the son of a presidential candidate, regular citizens, was fair game for reporting. And you had folks from the Washington Post, from the CBC, from Reuters, from the Ottawa Sun, all these outlets calling up the people whose names were leaked online and saying, why? Why? Why would you donate to this cause? Don't you know what this cause is all about? They were trying to intimidate those people. And for the media to do that, and to do it constantly, is insane. Here's one response that's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, A former CBS Sports alum And digital media expert Jason Kent um, tweeted to Omar, not helpful, Representative Omar. You've now caused more harassment. The journalist was doing her job and now she's being harassed. If you read the report she shared, you'll see it covered how the shop owner was already being harassed as her name was in the leaked database. So if you know that the cafe owner in the story is being harassed, and you know that people are going after the folks who are donating, why would you expose them further and open them up to more harassment? It doesn't make sense. This is absolutely unconscionable behavior from the media. But the moment that it happens to somebody, some cause on the left, They would clam up and say, no, this is private information. You can't get into it. Consider the guy, the young, mentally disturbed activist, young black man who attempted to assassinate a Jewish mayoral candidate in Tennessee, I think. Black Lives Matter, through a crowdsourced campaign on GoFundMe, raised $100,000 to meet this guy's bail and get him out of jail. Can you imagine how insanely loud the cries from the media and from the left would be if that donor list was leaked and people started calling up the folks as, hey, why did you donate money to the bail of somebody who attempted to assassinate a Jewish mayoral candidate? Why would you support Black Lives Matter doing that? Imagine the outcry. Imagine the outrage. Imagine how livid the media and the left would be if that were the case. They would lose their minds, but they're not doing that here because they agree with the folks harassing those donating to the trucker protest in Canada. Meanwhile, you have Justin Trudeau, who is literally practicing fascism by leveraging private companies and leveraging the power of the government into blacklisting, getting people fired, getting them removed from the public spotlight, going after their financial assets, investigating them thoroughly for so much as giving a favorable glance to that protest. Trudeau has been caught on camera speaking highly of, of President Mao in China and referring to the Chai as an exemplary government because they know how to control their people. The media spent years out uh, decrying fascism and decrying Trump and calling him a fascist and saying that he was doing this and he was an authoritarian, he was doing all this terrible stuff and he was destroying our democracy. Meanwhile, straight to our north, they are perfectly fine with the Canadian prime minister who only got 30% of the vote in Canada's election, has to work with a coalition government. He's not even a majority elected or plurality elected guy. He's plurality, but not majority. He he did not even win most of his country's support, and yet he's taking the power of the Canadian government and using it against private citizens in ways that are extremely authoritarian. And there's no outcry from the left, no outcry from the media on that. These are insane times. And we have to be able to call it out, whether it's our side or the other side. We have to call it out. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, let's end the show with some state news. Where is that, that House committee... On the Ronald Green investigation going. We might have some hints based on some public comments. We'll have that and more here on the news on News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys today. We've got a couple callers on the line. Callers I'll get to you in just a minute, but but first I wanted to bring up this story because it's a very interesting turn in the Ronald Green case. Uh, WBRZ, which has been one of the few outlets in the state to actually really dig into this story, uh, got a quote from Baton Rouge Representative Edmund Jordan, one of the Democrats on the House Committee investigating it. Here's his quote. It's very problematic that Doug Kane had his phone wiped. I will tell you, in light of the revelations of the text messages that were exposed by you guys talking to WBRZ last week, that this that that is a real possibility that at minimum he should be placed on leave. Uh, Jordan said he also asked about the sanitation of cell phones at state police around the same time that WBRZ's investigative unit began asking questions. Jordan said the order came from the top, Kevin Reeves and Faye Morrison. So the the, the upper ranks of Lafayette uh, I'm, I'm sorry of, of Louisiana State Police are give, gave the order for the phone to be sanitized. And that he's saying this publicly means that privately that committee has a lot of information that it's digging through. And it doesn't seem to bode well for Louisiana State Police. The question is going to be, how well does it bode for John Bill Edwards? Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Caller, you are on. Good afternoon. How are you?
1: Would that be me? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm turning my um, radio off. One of the things I'm sure Carol has covered this, but one of the things I'm curious about is what's going on in that subdivision that's near the Vermilion River in Milton. I
0: have no idea. That was not on my radar. Um,
1: okay. I, well, I would, uh... I'll give you a. I'll give you a real brief summary. And you can use this information any way you want to. Okay. Okay. So um, apparently, Josh Guillory is building some huge retention ponds, and they're using earth-moving equipment day and night. My guess is they've gotten a federal grant. They got to spend it by all by a certain time. Mm-hmm. But they got huge lights out there. It's right near the cement plant on uh, East Broussard Road. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And it's on that same side as a cement plant, opposite side of uh, Vincent Road. And um, when people who live in the subdivision, because of the noise and the bright lights all night long, day and night, they're doing this they would go up there and try to get the attention of the drivers of these earth moving equipments,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all this equipment. And they'd say, Hey, look, I, I got to sleep. I- it's too loud. It's too bright. So now the police are out there. And when the people show up, they escort them back to their house. It w- sounds like some- something out of the old Soviet Union. They I would, um,
0: would, so- I would suggest, um, Save your question and call in during Lafayette Live next week when the mayor president is on and address and, and ask your questions there, because I, I don't have any ability to, to really address that. Uh, we got another caller on the line. Caller, good afternoon. How are you?
2: Yes. Uh, I wanted to comment on the subject you were addressing earlier about, uh, well, we you- If you think back to maybe a year, a year and a half ago, there was this Mm -hmm. big push, no bullying. If you see bullying, report bullying. Yeah. And what what I'm seeing is all this harassment by the left, and it can be from the right, but right now it's very noticeable for me from the left, of people to keep them from having their freedoms and using their own resources Mm -hmm. on subjects which are basically political. This is nothing less than bullying. Yeah, and what I've no- what I've noticed is that whenever they want to start executing bullying or executing a particular agenda, they pretend to take the high ground and they immediately begin to do the exact thing which they've condemned and excuse themselves on some false pretense. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: And so, I would remind uh, everybody of the words of Andrew Jackson, uh, which he wrote, and he said, "Anytime." A politician says vote for me honest John Uh, put your hand in your pocket and hold on to your wallet real hard because they're telling you what they're gonna be doing they're gonna take your wallet they're gonna take your money and uh, apply that to the bullying issue so I I just wanted to make that comment that you know we have a history people need to read their history and understand and try and apply it
0: yeah absolutely and and you're absolutely right caller thank you very much for the call Uh, you know it is it, it's very, very interesting to see. You have, and, and you're right, it is left and right. Right now, we see it a whole lot more from the left. Now, I mentioned it earlier, it's this, this heterodoxy. If you're not 100% in line with them on their issue, they're going to come after you. And it's right now the vaccines, it's the masking. It's, uh, it's anything of the COVID mitigation. Right now, the Democrats are angry at each other because the moderates are tired of wearing the masks and are pushing for the rest of the party to get rid of the masks. And the progressives are shouting for more masking and they're going after each other and they're going after all the conservatives who have been saying for a while now, the masking isn't doing anything. It's just a restriction we don't need. Get rid of it. They do the same thing on the transgender issue. They do the same thing on the abortions issue. And again, not just the left. All right. I was not a fan of Donald Trump. I did not vote for him either time. I agreed with some of the stuff his administration did. I disagreed with some of the stuff that he did and some of the stuff he said. But oftentimes, if you're not 100 percent in line with that, you get conservatives coming after you. The comment sections of red state don't like me very much if the subject of Trump and something I disagree with comes up and they will come after you and they'll call you a liberal. They'll, they'll all do all of that. If you aren't 100% in orthodox with them, but right now the left, which has claimed for so long that the right is cult- is a bunch of culture warriors, they're the ones doing all the culture changing. If you're not on board with them, then they're coming after you. Thank you guys very much for listening to The Joe Cunningham Show today here on News Talk 965 KPL. If you want to catch any part of the show you missed, you can check out the podcast form on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We will be back tomorrow with another exciting show to round out our week. Thank you guys very much, and we'll
1: talk to you again soon.